So we're going to move here into chapter 3. There's an old saying, I'm sure everybody, everybody in here is familiar with this saying, but it goes this way, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, give the man a fishing pole and he'll eat for the rest of his life. You ever heard that one before? Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, we can meet, uh, we can, it, it is, it is one thing to meet a And I think it's typical in every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl to have in their life needs that need to be fulfilled. Do I need to go through a list of them? I don't think so. But I'll give you a couple. You're hungry, right? I hope you're not hungry yet. No, we get hungry, don't we? We get hungry, we get thirsty, we get tired, we get hot, we get cold. You know, we have needs, normal needs in our life as a human being on this planet and those needs need to be uh, provided for and need to be supplied for. It's the most natural thing uh, living on this earth is to have physical needs and to need them supplied and need them provided. I was talking about ringing here, and it's it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of sound. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. All right. I'm going to start over. Sorry about that. You probably missed. How many missed it all? How many got it all? Did you get it all? Yeah, see, I know where you're going. <laughs> you know, there are times in our life when we think that the answer to our need is some certain thing that we see out in front of us. We can see it. We, we, we can uh, look at it and say, that's what I need. All right? But there are also times... When what we think is the answer to our need is not really the best answer there is. You ever had one of those in your life? You thought and you looked at it and you said, that's what I need. And you realize at the end of it, oh boy, this wasn't what I needed. <laughs> you ever been there? Yeah. Sometimes our needs are not met by what we were looking for. Sometimes our needs are met by something better. Something better. And as we come into Acts chapter 3, it is my opinion of this text right here, and, and um, I don't want to delve into it too much, but it's of my, my opinion looking at the text of chapter 2 and chapter 3, that it's possible here in chapter 3 that we are still on the day of Pentecost. You see, in, in chapter 2, we have, it is the day of Pentecost. The, the Holy Spirit began to manifest Himself within the disciples, within the church, at about, uh, this, uh, I think it was called the sixth hour, about 9 a.m. in the morning. Peter preached, 3,000 get saved, baptized, added to the church. And now, in chapter 3, we come here, and it's now the ninth hour, and we have no indication of a different day. So it is possible that we're still here on the day of Pentecost. This was a busy, busy day. You think 3,000 getting saved, and then they're ready for more. you got to love it. And so, you know, uh, here, Peter and John, here in chapter 3, they're heading off to the temple now. It's the time of prayer, the Bible says. That would have happened after the sacrifices on that day. They'd have, they would have uh, filed into the temple for the time of those, uh, the, those afternoon uh, or noon prayers. And at this time, there would have been thousands of people still in Jerusalem and still at the temple. And I, I want you to notice something here in chapter 3. It says here in verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Okay? The ninth hour. So nine plus, what, six? Where does that leave you? 
6 a.m. is the first hour, right? Where, where, where is it leaving you at? About 3 in the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken here. We have afternoon prayers. And so here we are. They're coming up. And I want you to see something here before we get too far. I love this. Is This is a beautiful picture in verse 1 of the, of the church at work. Let me tell you something. Peter and John are probably the most opposite personalities that you'll ever meet. Have it, do, do, do you recall what Peter's like? He has a foot-shaped mouth because his foot has been in it so many times. I think it's just perpetually. Don't get me. I'm not, I'm not judging him. I've got one that's real close to that as well. Don't get me wrong. But he has always had something to say. He's always the first one to speak. He, he's always the first one to draw the sword and cut somebody's ear off. Remember the high priest, the servant of the high priest? We know about that. Peter is just a bombastic, erratic individual who, uh, my goodness, if, if, if there's going to be excitement uh, going on, Peter's going to be in the middle of it. And here on the other end of the pendulum, you've got John, meek and mild John, the dreamer. Now notice, uh, as stable as John was, I love this about John, I wish I was as stable as he was. The Bible over and over talks about the one whom Jesus loved. This was John, he just never changed, he was so stable. And I think, oh, that'd be nice to be like John, you know, that'd be neat. I think in the disciples we see uh, personality traits of, of of 11 different types or 12 different types of Christians in, in our own personalities. I'm not going to get in that today. But I, I identify more with Peter than any of the other ones that are listed there. But, you know, John was such a polar opposite of Peter. But Jesus chose Peter to pastor the church, not John. John John he gave revelation to. John was able to, with his stability, he went out to the Isle of Patmos when he was out there and he just wrote some letters. <laughs> wrote, wrote, wrote revelation. God spoke to him that day. Totally opposite people. Totally different personalities. Both filled with the same Holy Spirit. Both of them filled with the, or having the same commission. Both of them being a, a part of the church that Jesus started. And regardless of their differences, they are unified by one person only, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's still what goes on today in this church here today, doesn't it? And every church is, every church that is the church of Jesus Christ. Multiple different types and personalities of Peter, uh, of people, I'm sorry. Multiple types in, in, in different, uh, uh, places and walks of life and where people have come from, all coming together under the Lord Jesus Christ, all going forward, hopefully in the same direction for the gospel. What a wonderful thing that is. Wonderful thing. Went out on visitation yesterday. You know what? There is one, two, three, four, five, six pretty different personality types out on visitation yesterday, all in the same goal, all with the same purpose, all pretty much heading the, doing the same thing. What was that? Just fulfilling the command of Jesus Christ, trying to see the gospel get out into the world and get out into the community. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that can unify two people in two different, two different types of personalities, vastly different, and use them to accomplish the same task. And here they are going up to the, going up to the temple together, going up to the temple together, and as they approach the temple, most of you know this, we're, we're just revisiting some of this. As they approach the temple, as they get to that gate beautiful, there's a beggar laying out by that gate. The Bible says that it was this beggar here that was brought up to this gate. 
He was brought up here on a daily basis to be set there. He had to be brought up there. Somebody else had to bring him. He was this way from his mother's womb, the Bible says. He was born with the disability. He was born with this inability to walk. And he was carried up there every day. And he was brought there for the sole purpose of begging for money. He was begging for money. He was looking for what they call, the Bible calls here, alms. See verse 2, certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the court of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Alms are simply a gratuitous gift. The dictionary calls it this, a gratuitous gift to relieve the poor. No, this beggar had nothing to offer. This beggar had nothing to sell. He was essentially looking to be paid for the very fact that he's crippled and, he, and he's unable to work. This is what he was looking for. And it is right here at this gate, it is right here where this beggar is, that John and Peter begin to pass by this lame man on their way to the temple. But please know this, Peter and John were not at the temple to find this man. They were at the temple just to preach Christ. That's why they went up there. They were preaching Jesus Christ. And as they passed by... This beggar calls out to get their attention, and he has a request for them. Look at verse 3. Who, seeing Peter and John, he noticed them. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. You know, I've spent a lot of time in cities. I've spent quite a bit of time in large cities. And you know, this can be one of the most difficult things to navigate. People asking for money. They come up from all over the place. They come around and they're, they're asking for a dime. They're asking for a quarter. I, I was just telling, I was in Atlantic City. This was about uh, three or four years ago. I came out of a Dunkin' Donuts with a cup of coffee about 5.30 in the morning. And there's a fellow outside the door there. And he says, hey man, you got 50 cents? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I was not real bright. I said, man, I got a job. Go get a job, man. I don't have time to get, I don't have 50 cents. That's what, yeah, okay, you didn't like that. I No, I was just telling you, it's what I told him. He was able-bodied. There's not a thing wrong with him. Yeah. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes they're just on drugs. Sometimes they're just alcoholics. Sometimes you give them money, you're just going to go feed an addiction. Sometimes you are. And there are some that legitimately need help. And you know what? We help them. Absolutely we do. I've given money to people. I've helped people. I've fed people. I had one guy out in Oklahoma City said, I need something to eat. I said, all right, I'm going to the grocery store. You need to follow me around a little bit. When I get done, I'll take you to get something to eat. We went, he followed me all through the grocery store, came out. We went across the parking lot to Hardee's. He ate a few cheeseburgers and this and that. I asked him if he knew Jesus. And he said, I think I met him at a concert once. That's what he told me. It's like, okay, I'm serious. I said, I ah, just enjoy your cheeseburger. This isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Here's what I know. Not everybody holding up a sign needs should be given money. This is what I know. Yeah. But it was obvious this beggar couldn't work. It was obvious this guy wasn't able to get up. It was obvious that this guy had no way to make a living. There was no welfare department. There was no disability to file for. If a person in this day was unable to work, they either begged or they starved. 
That's all there was to do. So this man begging at the gate beautiful was completely unable to provide for his own needs. Did you catch that? His physical body was dead and he could not provide for himself what he needed. He had needs and he couldn't get them on his own. So notice here in verse 4, look at the response of Peter. Verse 4, the first part of it, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. He said, hey, look up here. (laughs) The Bible goes on to say the guy was expecting that he was going to get something out of this. Do you see this in verse 5? And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. He said, oh, I called out for alms. And they said, hey, look over here. And I'm like, man, I'm going to get a a shekel. I'm going to get some money. I'm going to get something out of this one. And Peter drops a bomb and he says, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. That's a bust, huh? No, this is the need the guy had. And Peter said, I'm unable to meet your need. That's what he was saying here. So then Peter goes and he offers him something better. Something better. Look at verses 4 through 6, would you please? And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. So notice this here. Peter didn't have any money to offer the guy. He, he was unable to offer him anything that was worth money. But what he was able to, to offer him was something that was actually worth more than money. And it wasn't just a whole body. No, that's coming with the package. But he was offering him a whole body based on the authority of Jesus Christ. No, he was offering him Jesus. That's what he's getting. That's what he's offering here. Jesus Christ. And with Jesus Christ, in this case, it comes a whole body. And you know what comes with a whole body? Somebody can get out and get a job. And he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to beg anymore. No, that's better. Wait, that is better than sitting out on a day on end and asking and asking people for money and hoping to get a living that way. It's better. Now, now I know some, I had a friend in college from Chicago and he said he had a brother that would go out and, and beg all the time. He'd dress up like a homeless guy and he'd get out there and he made good money doing it. He wasn't homeless. He had a job. He had everything else. He just enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't, some people like that. Some people make good money. Good tax-free money doing that. They sure do. But here Peter offers him something more. Something more than just... watch, than just something to provide his need for a day. He says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'll give you. I don't have any money, but what I do have is Jesus. That's what I have. Can I tell you something this morning? Jesus is better than than any need that you think you have. Jesus is better than any need you think you have. You say, well, I need money this morning. Well, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he owns the hills. He owns it all. You say, I need, I need a little comfort this morning. And Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You say, I need wisdom. Well, Jesus is wisdom. I need health. He's our healer. We saw in the 103rd Psalm. He said, we, he said I just need peace at this time. Well, he is our peace. You need deliverance from sin? You need deliverance from a past? 
Do you realize the demons have got to obey the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you realize demons are afraid of Jesus Christ and He is in you and He has the authority given you to tell everything that's oppressing you to take off and leave and leave and they have to obey. Do you know you have that? You say, man, I'm oppressed, I'm oppressed, I'm oppressed. I'm a believer, I'm not possessed, but I'm oppressed. Tell them to leave. Tell them in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, get out of here and leave me alone. You know what? They have to do it. They have to obey. You need deliverance. You need joy. The Bible says in His presence, at His right hands are blessings forevermore. And in His presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. He, you need hope for the end of your life? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is life. No, whatever you need, watch this, whatever you need, Jesus is better than that need. Because not only can He supply every one of them, but He goes beyond the supply and you're left with Him Himself. That's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. I'm telling you this morning, whatever your need is, Jesus is better. You know, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus called out His 12 disciples. He said He called them out together and He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. To cure diseases. And Jesus had given the disciples, or now the apostles, He given them the same authority and the same ability to cast out devils or to cure diseases. He's given them that. I think it's fascinating this word cure was there, not heal. They're instruments. The healer is Jesus. They're just instruments. And so Peter uses authority and his ability here, and he commands this lame man to get up, who had never walked before, who had to be carried everywhere he went. The command to get up, think about this, would have been just about as ridiculous as Peter looking at me and saying, be six foot five. Nope, hadn't happened. No, it's pretty ridiculous. No, he was born. He didn't have an accident. He didn't break a leg. He didn't do. No, he was born this way. In that day and age, with that technology that they had or the lack thereof, this was crazy. But not only did he command them just to get up. Oh, that's that's neat. He says, get up and walk. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. But it's another ridiculous command to somebody born in the condition of this beggar. Now, notice what Peter did here. Peter is commanding this lame man to live as though he were cured without the man ever seeing the remedy. He didn't see what, all he heard was what Peter told him. That's all he heard. There was no salve to put on his legs. There, there was no apparatus to attach to him that he could look at and see. That was maybe some way to straighten his legs out to help him walk. There were no crutches. There was nothing there. The cure for this man's disease was not found in anything in this world. The cure for this man's disease was Jesus Christ himself. That's all it was. Look what he says in verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. How is this possible? Well, in verse 6, Peter said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It was all in Jesus Christ. Now, notice this. There's faith involved here. There's faith involved here. But it wasn't the faith of the lame man that was involved here. It had to be the faith of Peter. 
Peter, why? Peter made a command and he went and he took him by the right hand. There, you can study that out why he didn't take the left hand. And he took him by the right hand and he, and he picked him up. What did it mean? Peter believed what he was saying. Why did Peter, hey, wait, why did Jesus, why did Jesus require those that came to him to have belief? Now, remember, when people come to Jesus, do you believe? If thou wilt believe, do you believe? Why did, why? Because Jesus didn't need faith. <laughs> He's God. Peter needed faith in what he was doing. He was, he had this authority from God and he had to operate with this authority from God. We could go back and look when, when the, remember when they went out to cast out demons and they came back and they said, it's not working. I can't do it. And Jesus said, this kind come not out, but by faith, but, but by prayer and fasting. What was going on with the, with the disciples? Jesus said, Oh, you have little faith. This faithless generation, he said. What was happening? It was, they didn't have the ability within themselves. They didn't have the faith necessary to do what God gave him the authority to do. But here, Peter has the faith. And there's a reason, I, there's a reason I, I'm stressing this so much and, 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 and so heavily here. Because going around in this country, going, and it's been going around, well, you could probably say since 1921 and the Azusa Street revivals, since we've been pounding on some of these last few weeks, but it's been going around the, the world that these, these healers, these faith healers, these sham healings that are going on today in this circus-like setting that they set up, uh, they, they, what they will tell you is if you haven't been healed by one of us, by one of our gurus or whatever you want to call them, it's because you don't have the faith. It's not our problem. Well, you see here, it was Peter really who had to have the faith. This guy wasn't asked a thing. This, he, what, Peter didn't say, do you believe? Peter made the, watch, Peter went out first and took him by the hand and picked him up. Why? Because he believed what he said was right. And he had the authority to say that. And, the, and that lame man realized that once he got stood, standing up, he's like, oh, what is that feeling down there? I've never felt that in my legs before, in my ankles. What is going on? No, it was Peter's faith. Peter lifted him up. Peter is the one who had the faith. I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. These scam artists, they will blame the recipient if they're not healed. Boy, isn't that easy? Think about that. That's, that's easy. Oh, yeah, it was your fault. It was your fault. It wasn't me. It was your fault. I think there's faith here involved in Peter with what he said and the authority that he was given, the authority from Jesus Christ. So this lame man who has spent most of his life begging at the gate of the temple, now he's walking around with John and Peter. Not only that, he's running into the temple now. Now notice this here of this blind man, of this lame man, the deformity. The deformity had ruined his life. His deformity has restricted his worth. His deformity has restrained his future. He's limited by this. And in this man's mind, he knew there was nothing better to look forward to in life than to be carried to this gate, beautiful, day after day after day after year after year after year, and hope to be given enough money so he could survive until he died. That is utter hopelessness. Utter hopelessness. Can you imagine the ecstatic joy this guy had? I, I cannot, we, we could not even fathom it. He had never walked into the temple before. Good grief, he'd never walked. And here he is walking, not just walking. Look at verse 8. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Wow, what a scene. What a scene. 
Say, boy, I've never experienced that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You may not have been healed in your legs. You may not have been healed from something that kept you crippled. But the day you got saved, friend, you were healed and you were set free. And I, you know what I think you might have done? You might have done a little walking and leaping and praising God, right? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. There's rejoicing here. There's rejoicing. Yeah. Why wasn't he praising Peter? Do you realize he didn't say a thing to Peter? Do you see that at the end of verse 8 what he said? What it says here? Walking and leaping and what? Praising God. Why was he able to praise God? Well, we know why he was able. Why did he? What caused him to praise God? It was because of who Peter directed him to. What did, what did Peter say? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter was the one responsible for directing him to Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, it is, it is a sorry preacher who when people walk away say, that's a great preacher and don't say that's a great God. Yeah. It was said of somebody, it was said, I don't know, some of these, some of these little things that get around, but it was said somebody was leaving Spurgeon's Tabernacle and, and they're in, in, in London and they're, they're saying, what a man, what a man, oh, what a man. And somebody said, yeah, isn't he a great preacher? And the guy said, no, Jesus. Jesus. That's what he left thinking about. Wasn't Spurgeon? Yeah. And this was this Peter did this. Peter directed him to Jesus. You know what the scam artists do today? They set up these big tents, they rent huge stadiums, they draw people to themselves. You know why? <laughs> Money. Money. Benny Hinn, who strangely is a Jew. Benny Hinn's a Jew, did you know that? Benny Hinn, he's a multi-millionaire. He's a multi-multi-millionaire. Oral Roberts got rich. Went out and built a hospital. Now, is that not a paradox? I have the authority to, to heal everybody, and I'm going to build a hospital. And uh, don't worry, it's bankrupt. It's gone. It was dozed over. It's a, it's, it's a shopping center now. Thank the Lord. Yeah, Oral Roberts got rich. Going up in my tower. I'm going to pray, and God's going to kill me up here if I don't get a million dollars. I was waiting to see what was going to happen. But no, somebody sent him a million bucks. Somebody, I think it was down in Florida somewhere. Kenneth Copeland's a multi-millionaire. Todd White, this this healer guy that walks around, does all these healing campaigns, never figured out how to get a haircut yet. Got these dreadlocks running down halfway down his back. Don't get me on that. But anyway, he's out there. He's a multi-millionaire running healing campaigns. Creflo Dollar, what a name, Dollar, Dollar. Worth a lot of money. Jesse Duplantis. No, they're, they're charlatans. They are frauds. They are fakes. They, they are scam artists. And they have no authority by Jesus Christ. None whatsoever. Yeah. The list goes on and on and on. Charlatans. This guy, because, Peter, because of what Peter did, this man ended up directing all of his praise to God. Watch this. He didn't give Peter a dime. He didn't, Peter didn't make anything off this deal. <laughs> Obviously, neither of them had a dime. You know, <laughs> this guy wanted one. Peter said, "I don't have one." Yeah, I love it. Aren't you glad today you can be as poor as a church mouse and you can have a direct line to Jesus? Yeah. 
over not too long ago. You say, oh, you're, you're against healing? No, I'm not against healing. God heals. Absolutely He does. Sherry and I, when we lived out in Oklahoma City, uh, years ago, she had had a tubal pregnancy a long time ago and uh, almost died. And from that, I think there's complications, blood clots, things like that that would come up. We were living out in Oklahoma City, and she had called, and she had said, she told me uh, that her leg was hurting again, her lower calf, like like a blood clot. And uh, I don't know, it had gone on a couple days maybe or more. I don't, I don't remember what it was. And you know, at the time, I just thought, my goodness, we don't, number one, we don't have the money for this, and number two, it's this just something that needs medical attention. Blood clots are deadly, aren't they? And uh, we just kind of got got alone that night and just began to pray and ask God. And I said, God, you don't owe us a dime. You don't owe us anything. You're so good to us. And I just said, you know, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you'd just take care of this. Because we don't have the funds right now to take care of this like we should. And didn't think much of it. Went to work the next day. And I don't know if you called or I, I think I called the house or something at noon or something. And asked how her leg was and said, oh, it's fine. <laughs> Haven't dealt with it since, I don't believe. No, no, God heals. Absolutely He does. Absolutely. You know what we do that, know what I'm doing this morning? Just directing you right back to Jesus. That's who, He's the one who heals all your diseases. He does it. He does it. And for some reason, the plan and the grace of God, He saw fit to take care of, take care of, that, of the blood clots in her leg. You know, He does that. So as we look here, I want to show you something else. In verse 9, the people began to notice what was going on here. It says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Yeah. No, this this wasn't, uh, I love these, oh, well, they don't wear their religion on their shirt sleeve. They're private about it. They're just, you know... They just, they don't want to make a big scene about it. You know what? I could probably guarantee you they've never been saved by the power of God, nor do they have the indwelling Spirit of God, because there's something about it, friend. You just got to say it. If you've ever had all of your sins, past, present, and future washed away, Bubba, you're going to say something about it. I'm telling you, it's going to come out eventually, some way, somehow. And it came out, and it was noticed. They, they saw it. They saw him not only walking and leaping, but they saw him praising God. He's still directing everybody to God who did this. Not to Peter. And in verse 10, they knew, listen, they knew it was the same guy who, had, who was at the gate who's been begging his whole life. They recognized who it was that he had been there every day for years. And the people rec- which recognized this man, watch this, it validated the miracle. They couldn't argue it away. There was no way. No, some things can be argued away. Some things can't be validated. This one could be. I was watching, I don't know how I find these. I was watching some video the other day of a, of a, some service over in, it was in Africa somewhere and there was a healing thing and they're in the circle around this lady and they're jumping and carrying on and screaming and hollering. And this lady has this arm, it's all bound up and it's, it was really weird looking her arm. And I, I'm telling you, I'm looking at this, I'm like, wow, that's, that's a messed up arm. 
You know, I don't know how you would do that on your own. And, and they're praying over and she's jumping around and he's, it looked like Dasani water. I'm surely it wasn't, but it's bottled water. He's throwing water on her arm and they're jumping around and all of this stuff. And as you go, I had to fast forward. I'm like, this is taking too long. Hurry up. I want to see this. So I fast forward to this thing and her arm is like regular. And I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. That's pretty good. Yeah. And they're screaming and carrying on. Her arm was healed. And this was great. And I went down. I was reading the comments below. And somebody had posted uh, photographs of where this woman was at two or three other different meetings doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, validating. Yeah, that wasn't validated. I don't know what she does or how she does it, but it's a pretty cool trick. Yeah. Can I remind you also that the magicians of Egypt healed and did miracles as well, I should say? Yeah. The man was recognized. The man was remembered. The miracle was validated. But I want to look here at the reason for all of this. We could stop at just the healing of the man. But that really isn't the reason for all of this. Because there are many that have not been healed. There are many that leave this life not healed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was an incredible scene. And this man's life was changed forever. But there, and there are many reasons that we could explore on this. But I want to focus on verses 11 through 13. In verse 11, the Bible says, And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them, and the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So watch this. Now you have this huge crowd outside of the front of the temple here trying to see what's going on. Look at verse 12. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, verse 12. And, and when Peter saw it, he answered to the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk. And once again, here's Peter saying, Don't look at me. I didn't do this. I didn't do it. God did it. That's what He's still bringing the people, uh, uh, pointing them to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 12 here, we see where he begins to preach. And you watch this. Here's the reason for it all. Peter used this opportunity to preach Christ. He said, don't look on us to explain the miracle. Look to God. See that? He used the opportunity here to bring conviction to Israel again. These are Jews. These are Jews. Look what he says here in verse 13. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, our fathers, these are all Jews, hath glorified His Son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied Him in the presence of Pilate when He was determined to let Him go. So look what he said. He's pointing them right back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's saying that the, the same God of our fathers is the God, is the Father of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and look, think about this. If they are monotheistic, if they believe in only one God, who else out there could have glorified Jesus like this? Who else could have allowed Jesus to do the miracles that he did? Who else could have, who else could have, uh, could, could have, uh, or how else I could say, could Jesus have walked out of the grave if there was some other God out there? No, they attributed to God miracles. Elijah and Elisha, they had no doubt. They believed in only one God. Well, what is Jesus doing this by? Remember, they accused him one time. Remember the Pharisees? Well, you do these miracles by Beelzebub. 
You do them by Satan. And Jesus says, well, how can Satan cast out Satan for he to be divided against himself? And any house, any house divided against himself cannot stand. Jesus says, Satan can't cast out Satan. <laughs> it's not possible. So Peter, watch, Peter's drawing them back to the God of their fathers, the, the, the Jehovah God. And he says, you know what happened, folks? He says, listen, you delivered him up. You delivered him up. You denied him. You denied the Holy One. You denied the Just One. It, 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 listen, you, you desired a proven murderer to be released, and you killed the Prince of Life. Ouch. The one who healed multitudes. The one who fed thousands. The one who delivered the possessed. The ones who raised the dead. The one who raised himself up from the dead. He said, you killed him. You killed him. Peter goes on to say, but I got news. (laughs) He's alive. (laughs) Death can't hold him. The grave can't hold him. He is alive. And watch this. He's still working Miracles. Hold on. If Jesus is dead in the grave like you think He is, or you think His body is stolen away, and you know He did miracles, you, you, you saw His miracles. We looked at this last week. You are witnesses of the miracles. Who's doing this right now to this lame man? Who's the one doing the miracles? Peter said, it's not me. You know what in our human nature we say? Oh, it's me. I did this. We love that. No, that's not what he said. He's directing them to Jesus. What he's doing? He's validating that Jesus is alive and he's still working in the lives of people. Yeah. He's still the answer. Jesus is still the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So we see that the purpose of the miracle on the lame man wasn't really about the lame man. The purpose of the miracle was about Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of every miracle. You can, you can do a cursory study through the New Testament and see when somebody's healed, generally, by and large, somebody's saved. Salvation accompanies the works of God. Yeah. It was about the lame man. It was about Jesus Christ. It was about this. Jesus is better. Amen. Jesus is better. It had an application for the lame man. Actually, absolutely it did. The man who was only looking for his temporary need to be met soon found out that there's something better than having the temporary met. He found out what's better than the temporary is the eternal. He found out that when you get Jesus, you get everything else that comes with him. When you get Christ. And not only did it have application to the layman, but this had application to the Jews. The one who reject, the ones who rejected Jesus Christ were consenting unto the crucifixion, were, were, were once again face to face with the same miracles that they rejected the first time. Yeah. They were put into this position, they were put into this position again where they couldn't deny what was done. And that it was Jesus, though now in heaven, who was still doing the miracles. Yeah. It's all about Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ.
It's all about this. That Christ is better. Christ is better. What category are you in today? Maybe you're here this morning, you're lame like the lame man, and you have a temporary need. No, they're valid. They're valid needs. You'd never minimize a normal valid need. But maybe you're here and you have a temporary need. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're still the Christ rejecter that has been given yet another evidence of the reality and the authority of Jesus Christ. What category are you in today? Christian, let me, let me tell you something. Christian, if, if you have a need that seems like it's not being met, could it be possible that God is trying to get you to the place where you are ready to exchange the temporal for Jesus Himself? Is it possible that maybe God is trying to get you to the place where you say, if this never gets met, if I, if I never have this need met, Jesus is enough. Is He enough? Is He enough? Is, the, is your Bible enough? Is it enough? Is, is, is church enough? Is prayer enough? If you never had another need met, would Jesus be enough for you? I want you to listen close to this. Don't trade the eternal for the temporary. Don't trade the eternal for the temporary because Jesus is better than the temporary. Well, I might die. Okay. No, I'm not ready to to just check out now. Don't get me wrong. But so what? Who hasn't died yet who's lived on the planet? (laughs) Let me ask you, if you're here and you're unsaved this morning, how many evidences do you need to accept Christ? How many more evidences do you need? You know it's real. Sure you do. You know He's been convicting your heart. You know you've never really been saved. You might be here. I'm not, I have no idea, but that may be you. You know, you can come today and you can take care of the eternal. Because if you don't take care of the eternal, yeah, you might figure out a way to take care of the temporal, but it will come to an end. And that'll be, the, that'll, that'll be all of it. And you'll be forever separated from God. Listen, friend, no matter what we face in life, no matter what we, na- no matter what we think our needs are, what the Holy Spirit was trying to show here in Acts chapter 3 with this lame man is that Jesus is better.